Blog Talk Radio. Smackdown tapings tonight. Uh, he's out there sending out flyers and all that other good stuff for New Wave Pro Wrestling. Uh, the show coming up March 15th in San Diego, which I will be there. Uh, this show is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, you need Lucha Libre masks, DVDs, T-shirts, all kinds of different swag. Um, check them out, WrestleWarehouse.com. And uh, there is also an official announcement: the Rubber Guard Radio website will be launching within the next week or so, and that URL will be rubberguardradio.com. We will be hosting uh, archives of all of our shows, and we have plenty of guys from around the pro wrestling and mixed martial arts world that will be writing blogs for the website. Um, For those of you that run companies or have a uh, website or anything like that, and... uh, We are looking for sponsors, so if you're interested, you can hit me on my MySpace, myspace.com backslash rubberguardradio, or you can email me at kidzombie2000 at aol.com. All right, enough of the bullshit. I have on the line from the Figure Four Online Empire, Mike Sempervivi, and from Seattle, Seattle Independent Pro Wrestler Matt Farmer. What's going on, boys? Hey, how you doing, man? Fine, Danny. Uh, well, now that I got all that crap off my chest, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the big show getting stiff like a son of a bitch on Sunday, Mike. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that. In fact, I thought it was great, and. Uh, if it wasn't in the plans for for him to be stiff, which apparently it was not, it, it, this actually worked out far better, far better. Yeah, yeah you know, I, so, I thought um, it was interesting. At, at the show overall, I thought the show was pretty bad, but that was something that everybody was talking about after the show. So, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely did what they were expecting it to do. You know, and that's drum up some publicity. So, so Matt, you watched you watched the pay per view at uh, you were with. Uh, Brian Alvarez of Figure Four Weekly. Um, what was yeah. his response? What was his response when when Floyd nailed the Big Show? Well, we all pretty much started laughing. You know, I mean, we knew that. You know, once once Big Show jumped out of the ring and uh, and uh, 
chased those guys, you know, and you looked at his face and his nose and you realized that he had a broken nose, you know, it was, you know, we, we all knew the spot was planned because, I mean, the, the way they had it set up, but, right. you know, you wouldn't, Big Show wasn't expecting to have his nose broken, that's for sure. It did look like a shoot, though, the way they all ran and, and everything. That I mean, I haven't seen an, an angle pulled off like that in years. No, but you could definitely tell how everybody was cued that that was the purpose. I mean, as soon as those punches were thrown, those guys were running. So yeah, you, you know that's that's what they had planned from the get-go. How, I, I just don't think that it, it was just a potato thrown. You know, he didn't realize that he pro, he's never worked his punches before, so he just hit him too hard. Yeah. I, Any I'm comments, sure Mike? Big, I'm sure Big Show told him to lay him in, you know. Not to that extent, yeah. but of course, you know, he wanted it to look good. Well, I mean, it is it is a, a you know an angle for WrestleMania. You, you yeah, know. definitely. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure that was one of the selling points of getting Big Show back. I mean, the his 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 payout for the for WrestleMania has got to be pretty good size because he's going to be in the number two or number three match on the show. So, you know, he's going to get a good size payoff for that show. And it's one more time now, Vince can say, hey, look, we have your friend in, but once again, Hulk Hogan, for another year, we don't need you, no matter what kind of promotion you want to start up. Because every yeah. year we get the you get the Hogan promotion thing, and one more time, uh, they don't need him. No, they don't. They don't. But I, I don't think that ever crossed Vince's mind, honestly. I mean, at this point, I don't think he's he's even concerned that even if Hogan did get TV, that he'd be competition, you know. No, obviously he knows that's not going to be the case, and it's just Hogan talking the same yeah. line that he does all the time. But it's one more time that he can thumb his nose at Hogan and say, well, your buddy's here, and we don't need you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, um, now that uh, since Alex has the uh, evening off, um, this show is planned to be a roundtable. Um, I came up with the name, ha, 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 Meeting of the Minds. Actually, James from Kentucky, from the old Observer Live, kind of, kind kind of got in my head. I listened to it today, and a meeting of the minds. But uh, <laughs> so uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna open up the we're gonna open up the phone lines all evening. So uh, anything anything you want to talk about, we'll go for it. The call in number three four seven two one five seven nine four six. Call in. Ask any questions. We could talk about anything. Uh, Mike, anything going on? As far as in my personal life, or uh, what am I doing right now, or what do you mean? Pro wrestling. Oh, because I'm just saying, I'm very upset that you pulled me away from the Rangers game, even though you blew a five nothing lead. So, but uh, oh, I um, mean, who, I I do have a question. What Rangers game on on Sunday? I, I don't recall. Oh, oh, I. I think it may have been my sharks. I don't. I don't recall that actually. Okay, because I I turned it off <laughs> after the first. It was one one. So I, I try to block things like that out of my mind. Same way I'm, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm going to have to block this out of my mind when Adam brings it up on the the show this week because it's Montreal. God, I hate Montreal. And Adam. <laughs> so um. <laughs> Anything happening out there in Japan? I mean, I heard there was like an IGF show and a, a New Japan show. Oh, well, just uh, overall, uh, there's still the, the story of Eugene Nagata, who has continued to, uh, to, to have tests run on him. 
apparently uh, he did not suffer a stroke, as was looked like it was possible that he did, because he apparently lost feeling on the left side of his body uh, and suffering from severe headaches for apparently weeks uh, before he just couldn't go, uh, before the Sumo Hall show on the 17th uh, on Sunday. But uh, tests are still being run on him, but the good news is it's not a stroke. So that that's a, a big thing right there. And then uh, the other big thing up over the weekend that uh, has been going on uh, was Kurt Angle tapping out to the IWGP uh, heavyweight champion, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, to merge the basically the third title is what they were calling it. This is the uh, IWGP belt that Kurt Angle was walking around in TNA. That's the one he won from Brock Lesnar at the IGF show. Uh, he tapped out to Nakamura to unify those titles again. So those are the, the two biggest things going on right now. How about Tomko jumping to IGF? Yeah, it looks like there's going to be at least still a loose tie-in uh, between the, the two groups. And Tomko is going to, it looks like he'll be a regular IGF wrestler or however uh, regular they run IGF cards. Um, they'll probably run, uh, let's see, they have one right now, so it's, they'll probably run three more for the rest of the year, It'll probably be quarterly shows. That's but, not uh, good for him. Well, not good it, for him at all. Well, it, you know, it, I, to me it doesn't benefit him at all because if he spends more time in New Japan or if he were to, to go to, to All Japan for a, you know, a couple of things, that's fine, but I don't see how working in IGF is really going to benefit him all that much. He had a a short match with Alexander Otsuka, who some people may remember from Pride, uh, a longtime wrestler. Uh, I just don't see how this is going to benefit him much whatsoever. And they could have used him in the spot that Rhino is going to be in, uh, in the New Japan Cup coming up. They've announced Rhino to uh, to be involved in that, and he'll be taking on Manabu Nakanishi in his first match. And he was the man who faced uh, Abyss at the uh, TNA pay-per-view. Or the, now, uh, global, the global impact they showed from the Tokyo Dome, I should say. Now, are the two companies actually really that separate, though? I mean, they, you know, they've already used a lot of the loose, like you said, the loose tie-ins and things like that. And um, yeah, I, I, I think initially Brian has wondered about this if there was ever really a separation. I believe in Anoki's mind and in the backers' mind at first there was going to be, and they were going to be able to use Lesnar and rub it in the face of New Japan. Uh, with that yeah. IWGP belt, but I think they quickly found out, obviously these shows aren't going to draw. This was supposed to be their big show. I think they announced 6,000 paid, so who knows how many were actually you know, paid in there and how many were actually, people were actually in the building. So I think they discovered that right away, that they weren't going to be able to do much there, and it keeps the lifeblood. New Japan will still have, you know, always have a, a tie-in with Inoki in some way or another for some bizarre reason, no matter how many times he's tried to sink the company. But they'll always have a working relationship there. So it's, it's good for both sides. Well, it's really good for Anoki's side and the IGF side because without them, they'd just be another indie show running shows every once in a while, and there's plenty of those right now. Yeah, and so I think Tomko's situation with that is, uh, you know, I, he's, he's probably still being paid from the same people. You know, I mean, I mean, how they're paid. Sure, he's still being paid by New Japan. Yeah, exactly. So. I don't think it's going to benefit or hurt him at all. Maybe it'll make him. They're, they're probably making it appear like an outsider, so they could do the co-promotion thing. You know, do the the promotions against promotion thing. You know, the well, they like easy. And a big scary American doesn't hurt. I mean, obviously they're positioning Josh Barnett as being you know, the main American in that company. 
But, you know, yeah. it always helps that. It just to me, it doesn't benefit Tomko. And the fact that he did have a lot better year last year, he was much improved with all aspects of his game. Now, no matter how much you, you want to say he went up or down or how much he went up in any parts of that is up to you. But he did have a better year across the board. So I don't see how going to IGF and working that course find kind of a rougher shoot style is really going to benefit him at all when he could do it in New Japan with Makabe and with Yano and with some other guys. He's a better brawler. They should let him do that. True, true, I agree. You know, it's funny that you bring up Tomko. In my opinion, Tomko's one of the most improved guys in the U.S. this past year. The guy's, I mean, he's one of the few shining lights on TNA that I, I personally, from my, my, my opinion, is. You know, I, I've seen him, he, he actually comes across like a, one of the few stars of TNA, like his presence, his, uh, you know, whole reactions to people that, you know, he, he's he's got a lot of things to work on, but he's one of the few guys that, comes across as like a rising star in that company. I have to sometimes, agree. Yeah, sometimes facial expressions is all you need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because they, they helped, and that obviously makes some of his other work better in the fact that he's just a more entertaining aesthetic to deal with now, especially exactly. in that company where you're kind of every once in a while watching the show or often watching the show going, looking for some sort of sanity, and he kind of even provided it with his facials. Exactly, yeah. Um, let's see. I am at a certain site where I get my my Puro stuff, and uh, looks like uh, they have uh, All Japan did a show called Playboy Channel Night. Yes. At the uh, Shinjuku Face, 520 fans, super no vacancy. And it looks like they had a, a U30 tag tournament, which, I don't know, kind of... Uh, it's it's weird. It's like it's a throwaway show. Have you heard anything about this this show, Mike? I just got the show today, but I have not watched it yet. Uh, I do know that uh, it will probably be one of my favorite shows of the year, just in the fact that all the guys who came to the ring were accompanied by Japanese Playboy models, and apparently they had little features in between the matches on these girls. So I mean, really, how bad could it be? Oh, okay. So I guess I should check it out then. Well, it, do you like women? <laughs> well, of course. Well, okay. But <laughs> then why not? Because you figure, <laughs> as bad as the wrestling is, it, at least the women will look good. True. Yeah, that's true. true. That's a good point. I'm, I'm also, uh, I'm in the process of getting the the February 15th Noah show uh, with that main event of uh, the Briscoes and... Uh, Doug Williams against Masawa, Ogawa, and Kotaro Suzuki. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that is. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure Adam probably already has uh, when we tape the next show, which will probably be Friday or Saturday. Uh, hopefully I'll get it before then and have a chance to watch it. So, you know, Interesting tour. This is the one, obviously, Kenta Kobashi is making more and more appearances on this tour, as well as having guys like uh, the Briscoes in, Chris Hero in, and uh, Claudio. Claudio and now, Hero. Did you, guys, did you guys get to get a chance to see Kabashi in his return last month? Yes. yes. How how did oh, he fun. look? Wait, say again. How how did he look? He looked good. I mean, he he still the aesthetically. I mean, he lost a little bit of weight, but I mean, he still looks good. And they the way they wrestled the match, obviously, he wasn't made to look bad. He 
didn't look like he got winded pretty quick, but he was still, I mean, for a guy that had cancer, uh, you really would never know it. There was a spot during the match where Masawa looked like he went after the kidney, and whether he did or not, because uh, there was some question about whether the spot was, you know, made to look like he was truly healing it up and going after it. But uh, the way the fans responded to it, they went, they absolutely tore the house down. So uh, a very welcome return for Noah, who was just basically swinging doggy paddle in one position, you know, in a circle, dying for him to come back. And now that he's back, we'll see what they do with it. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure, is he planning on working every day of the tour or just the big shows? No, they have him just, this is, they have broken him out mostly in six-man matches, but I don't think they have anything scheduled for him where it's it's not actually a tag match. It's matches like, uh, this is all leading up to the March 2nd show, where yeah. uh, the, the main event's going to be more Ashima and Masawa for the, the GHC title, but... Uh, it's going to be him and Kamon Honda and Kenta against Takayama Sano and Aoki. And those are mostly the, the types of matches he's been working on the tour, and he hasn't been working every night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well speaking speaking of Misawa, is Morishima going to take the belt? I don't think so yet. Because no. I, still, I still even know that I would rather see him hold it than Misawa. Uh, I still think Misawa's plan and how they're going to do this is just basically, Masawa drops it to Kabashi further down the line, and Kabashi's the one who drops it to Morishima. Mm. Okay. Um, for those that are listening live, we are taking listener calls. Area code 347-215-7946. All righty, uh, Matt, you have the office. Whatever topic you want to talk about, brother, let's do it to it. Uh, let's see. Well, you, you asked Mike earlier about what's going on. Well, for myself, we've got out here in Tacoma, we've got uh, the big Strike or Bodog Strike Force show, or is it Bodog or Strike Force? I think it's Bodog. Strike Force. Um, yes, is it Strike Force? Okay. Yeah, Bodog uh, is a sponsor. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Um, this yeah. weekend with Bob Sapp, that's going to be interesting. Um, I know they got their weigh-ins Friday night, and I believe the show's Saturday evening. That should be pretty interesting. Um, uh, the card doesn't look very good uh, overall, but you know it'll it'll be it'll it'll be interesting to see what they draw. Um, Tacoma's got a pretty good history of drawing some decent sized crowds for MMA events, and with the you know with the uh, you know it, you always kind of wonder well how big of a star is someone like Sap or uh, you know uh, um, Maurice Smith in this area. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if they could draw a decent sized crowd both uh alvarez and myself both both guessed it's going to probably draw like around eight thousand or so so it'll be interesting well it won't be for lack of effort because i guess they have really spent some money on advertising and done a really good job about getting staff out there and getting his uh his story in the paper and i guess him on tv as well and that's the best thing that could happen because you got a guy like Sapp, as soon as you meet him, you immediately fall in love with his character. He's just a, a big, goofy guy and comes across that way, and he's got so much charisma. Uh, it, there's still, no matter what you think of Sapp as a fighter, there's still an awful lot of money to be made in Bob Sapp.
And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for action figures, pro wrestling books? And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for action figures, pro wrestling books, pro wrestling gear, title belts, music CDs, t-shirts, replica belts? Hello? Yeah, okay. This is Matt. It's Mike. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> no, I cut out there for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, your system got, your guys' system cut me off. I don't know, is, uh... <laughs> Still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Is uh, KZ here? Guess not. No. <laughs> what if he's no, still doing the show sure. right now? Yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> I was on the show, and then I got cut off. Who's this? Uh, it's Mike. Yeah, same thing happened here. So they oh, just okay. kind of went dead, and, and that's it. So. <laughs> yeah, did you, did you have, like, a lady come on and say, hey, uh, this is... Thanks for calling KZ Podcast or something like that. That's when I, yeah, when I called it originally, that's what it said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he needs to get an 800 line. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, hmm. <laughs> this, this has happened before, though, in the past, so. Okay. <laughs> so, I, oh, maybe we should... What's that? I say the the best radio would be if he just didn't know we were gone and he's still talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should hang up and call back. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll do that too. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. All right. All right, gentlemen, are we on the air? Okay, Mike, Matt. All righty, Matt, Mike. Fucking A, man. For some odd reason, my phone's acting up, and 
and the blog talk servers fucking with me. So hang with me, boys. Okay, I think I got you guys on. Matt and Mike. I'm here. All right, Mike is on the line. How about Matt? I'm on the line, yep. Oh, fucking A. Sorry, guys, my phone was fucking whacking out for some odd reason. It's damn voice over IP. Oh, okay, so were you guys talking while I was off the phone? Uh, we spoke for a minute, but we couldn't, you know, we weren't online, though. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, all right, now that we are back, um, Mr. Sempervivi, I'm going to hand you the mic, and uh, you come up with a topic. Okay, does it matter what kind of topic it is? I can care less. Okay. Want to talk anything more uh, about Kimbo or uh, Tank Abbott or anything like that from the uh, the Showtime show? Oh, Kim, that fight was beautiful, wasn't it? That was just, yeah, it's just the best, for traditionalists, it, it was awful, but it's the best thing that could happen for, for Showtime Elite XC. A great card, the way he came across was great, and doing it on the college campus in his hometown was even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what did they draw? Say again? What did they draw? I, I, I'm not sure what it, I think like 6,500 or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what fit in there, 7,000, something like that. Whatever it was, they were able to fill up that, that building. I think it was called the Bank United Center, and it's right on the campus of the University of Miami. So I'm not exactly sure what it was, but they were uh, just certainly a raucous crowd, and they really made him look like an absolute superstar. I have to agree. Now, I, so who, I only I I only got a chance to see their fight. I didn't watch the entire card, but from what I've heard, it was just an awesome card up to you know top to bottom. Yeah, it was one of those good old just sloppy fight cards. I mean, the Colossus uh, James Thompson fought in the first bout, and he was you know he faced off against this. Uh, I forget the guy's name now. A big black dude who had a mohawk. I mean, another big dude with a great look. It was Brett the Grim Rogers. Uh, that fight went 224, and you know, with a Thompson fight, it's always about throwing blows, and that was a pretty spectacular knockout. Eve Edwards with a, a big knee over Edson Berto. Uh, that was, you know, just everything was explosive and quick. Scott Smith's fight with uh, Kyle Noke uh, knocked him out. It's just a good card from top to bottom. The only slow fight on there was Antonio Junior Silva and Rico Rodriguez, and Depending on what you think of Rico, he had a pretty impressive performance in the fact that he was actually able to stay in there for so long. And I guess it ended up Silva had some sort of knee issue going into the bout, but uh, that's why he was so off his game. But uh, that got pretty impressive for Rodriguez to be able to hang in there. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike, um, this past Sunday on Observer Live, um, for the last 14 minutes or so, I, I was on hold trying to get on to, you know, to ask a question, but, you know, the big boss, Brian, couldn't shut his mouth. But, uh, <laughs> well, it's hard. Um, Mike, you asked Mauro Ranello one question, God bless him, my boy. You asked Mauro one question, and that question could last a half hour. Yeah, no shit. And my, my, my question was going to be, do they think that Rico would pass a drug test after? <laughs> Cold question. But with his history, it's up for well, debate. Um, I, I think, have. actually, I would say yes. I would say yes. Now, if fights in the future, uh, you know, then the odds may go down a little bit. But 
Uh, I'm sure. I'm not sure exactly how long ago they taped that uh, that celebrity rehab show. I remember he was on Morrow's show. Um, I want to say towards the end of last year, or the, it was towards the end of summer, maybe, uh, when he talked about being on there. So it may have been that long ago. Hopefully, he stayed clean in that time. But uh, yeah, that's a question you can ask a lot of guys, including well, Bob Sapp coming up in the in the Washington card. Yeah. Well, celebrity rehab. Do you guys watch the show? I. Yeah, I've I, seen I it a few it times. times. Yeah. I love it. It's funny as hell. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I well, we may as well bring it up. Jessica or uh, is it Jessica Sierra, the American Idol chick? Have you guys seen her new porn movie? Her no. thick uh, tape? No. Uh, no, okay. I'm not. <clears throat> I will hook you gentlemen up. I will upload it on Mega Upload for you guys, and I will send it out to you. All right. Hey, <laughs> uh, free porn is free porn. Free yeah, porn is free porn. That's right. So, um, yeah, what now, do you guys think uh, of that uh, rehab show? Um, you know, it, it's interesting. There's a couple. There's a couple personalities on there that you, you know, they get so annoying. You just want to turn the TV off. But right, overall, it's a good show. Um, yeah, you know, Rico comes across okay on the show, I guess. You know what though? He looks he looks gay with those fucking eyebrows. They look like they're painted on. <laughs> yeah, that is really gay. There's, there's a I guess you could trim it, but don't don't you know wax it. Shape them, mold them. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, he had nicer nicer eyebrows than his girlfriend. That's, yeah. Well, when you're not getting fucked up, you got a lot of time on your hands, and you know if, if you're gonna do something, personal grooming's not too bad. You know, oh, as long as he's not giving himself Brazilians or something, eh, you know. Yeah. Now, do you guys, oh, like, for the, uh, for the show coming up in Tacoma, do you guys have an idea what they're, what they're paying SAP for that show? I have no idea, but it's got to be a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but uh, it's, obviously it's going to be way up there. I'm interested in what they're playing Norte, actually, too. Yeah. I'd say probably two fifty. Now is Bodog just sponsoring sponsoring the Strike Force or are they working together now? It's just sponsorship. I, yeah, I think that's what Bodog's kinda of going to do is I don't think they're going to be really running too many shows. They're just going to attach their name onto uh some of the other smaller shows and then shows like Strike Force where they can just advertise and get their name out there without really taking any risk of losing the incredible amount of money they did and having a failure like the Theodore Lindland fight. Exactly. Now are they gonna air this on their on their network or or are they I think this is on H D net, I believe, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did hear that. Mark Cuban's promotion or TV's gonna run it. Yeah, it's, I don't know how many people with cable systems get it. I know people with DirecTV uh, are offered it, so they may luck out. At least my cable system doesn't. No, mine, mine is neither. I do plan on going to the show, though, so that should be interesting. So um, what do you guys think uh, attendance for Kung Lee and Frank Shamrock is going to be? I think they're going to beat the uh, the record they set for the first show, 18,000. Yeah, I think they're going to sell it out. So, yeah, they'll they'll sell it out. San Jose there. Thank yeah. God I have comp tickets. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. The, the, I mean, the show's going to be, it, you know, that's going to be an interesting fight right there. Um, if yeah. nothing else, it, it should be an entertaining fight. Yeah, it's going to be fun either, you know, either way. You know, whichever way yeah. you cut, it's going to be fun. So, And, and hopefully, hopefully they draw on TV, too, hopefully. The showtime with the, the, the slice fight and with this show coming up and a couple of the boxing matches they have, like uh, Vasquez and Marquez, uh, it's hopefully they get really good ratings for these shows because they deserve to, and at least that'll keep them on Showtime too. Because you know they're one, you know, right away from going away if Showtime decides that they don't want them because of the ratings. Yeah, definitely. Do um, we have a? Is, we'll go ahead. Uh, no. What was your question, Matt? Where do, where do where does Ken Shamrock stand? Where now has he decided on what his next fight's going to be? Uh, cage Rage in England. Oh, is it? Okay. Against yeah, some yeah, relatively jobber. soon, isn't it? What's that? Uh, it's coming up relatively soon, isn't it? Uh, I later. You know what? Let's go to a website. I that believe it's probably April, actually. Uh, the reason I was curious is because, you know, Ken's, Ken's still got a big name in for a U.S. promotion, to, you know, like Showtime, for instance. If they can get Ken Shamrock on one of their shows, that would be a huge, um, you know, a huge selling point. Yeah, and I guess I, yeah, they're talking about Frank Shamrock and Ken Shamrock, whether that'll ever come off or not. But, uh, I mean, obviously he's still got his name out there, and that's going to be pitched about too. So, And I guess really with the Showtime, the whole pro elite thing, I guess they, with Cage Rage, they he kind of fights for him anyway, so they'll be able to use that footage whenever they want to, I'm assuming, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, they they have to do that in San Jose. There's no other place to do it. Oh, of course not. San Jose has to. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like the moving Starcade out of the Carolinas to, to Chicago. Why take the money you know you're going to make? Why why take it out of there? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Plus, both people are both so well known locally. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Hawaii, like DJ Penn fighting in Hawaii, for instance. You know, it's just you know it's going to sell out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hope hopefully the crowd will be as rabid as it was for the first Strike Force show. That was, yeah. I mean, oh, my God. It was a great show. And, you know, my boy Guida, you know, tore it down with Josh Thompson. You know, they stole the show. But uh, the the heat was off the charts for, uh, for Caesar and uh, Frank. Uh, hopefully they can, uh, you know, uh, st- uh, strike oil again with it. Yeah. Did you guys watch the uh, live uh, WEC show last week? No. I don't get versus. Okay. That was a really good show. I, I was really impressed. Um, I haven't watched too many of their shows, but, it, you know, the, the fights were really good. Bessie, I didn't have a chance to see this last one, but WEC's had one of them were that's got to be – probably the most underrated show as far as uh, what's on TV, as far as wrestling, martial arts, and anything else goes. They always have very good cards. It's just that they're saddled with being on verses, and there's just so many places, including in New York City, where you just you can't get the channel. Yeah, definitely. And once again, there's just so much fighting on TV, you know. Yeah. There is, it is a whole bunch of, whole bunch yeah. of fighting. 
You know, it's like back in the in the mid '80s when you had all this pro wrestling that was on TV. You know, it's just oversaturation, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, kind of waters this stuff down, but that's just my opinion. You know. Yeah, it's just like Spike. You know, you could see a UFC show on there. You know, it seems like daily almost. I don't know how often they air, but man, it seems like every time I turn on Spike, there's a UFC. You know, some kind of UFC show going on. Unleashed, man. Yeah. That was that was incredibly stupid because as the WEC show was going on, they had in a some sort of unleashed. I, that's the one where they throw the where they show older fights, and it, they had that yeah. on at the same time. It's like you counter programmed yourself. It just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Although I guess if they're looking at it, if half the country doesn't get verses, you might as well have some sort of fighting on. Yeah, and, and you would you would think, at least in my opinion, that they would promote those events on their UFC pay-per-views or talk about them a little bit, you know, maybe just to bring a little, some notoriety to their, to their shows. They should absolutely do it on the pay-per-view. They may not be able to do it on Spike just because Comcast, yeah. I think, is the one who owns Versus. So I'm sure there's some sort of, you absolutely can't say anything about them on their, you know, on your show. Yeah. Yeah. At least mention, you know, mention their fighters or have their fighters show, you know, show up in the front row or, you know, have them bring their belts, you know, things like that. Give it's amazing. It's amazing with so many guys over the years. I mean, they did this with uh, Genki Sudo, but always they never put him on pay-per-views. They're just not into the smaller dudes. And yeah. they, I don't understand it because there's so many great fighters in this, at those weight classes. Yeah. And, and you know, really, to the, to the to the average viewer, you know, they don't really understand the size, anyways, because they're they're watching it on television. You know, and they, they don't, don't care. It's not, yeah, it's it, not like boxing where the, the heavyweights were pushed for so long, and people think boxing sucks now because there's no good heavyweight fighters. When it comes to MMA, I mean, the, the biggest weight class that anybody knows is 205. So yeah, really, exactly. you don't care about the weight classes, and boxing fans don't care when. Guys like Pacquiao, Barrera, Morales, and all those guys, they're entertaining smaller guys fighting. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Gomi Pulver was one of the, when they fought at Shockwave, was one of the best fights of the year. There was a great ground battle. I, I can't remember who it was now, but there was a great ground battle in Bushido. And just these guys can be entertaining, but you have to give them the chance to. And to, to almost banish them and never put WEC guys like Uriah Faber, who would be a great addition to a pay-per-view, why they don't yeah, put them on pay-per-view is, is a little odd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why don't they allow one of their fights, you know, why don't they build it up W and have a WEC fight on pay-per-view? No, uh, it's a good idea. It's something that should be brought up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it would, you know, they could allow those guys to get one fight a year on pay-per-view, and it, it might bring them some more money, you know. They'd be happy to do it. Yeah, that's your reward for having a great show or a great fight for free on WEC yeah. is you get to have your your one when there's a big blowout, you know, main event, and maybe not when it's a, like, not to insult these guys, but a Henderson Silva, you know, when you have a major one like a, a Liddell Ortiz level of fight, that you put yeah. them on there. It's, there's there's your reward. Yeah, put them on the undercard, you know, like the, the, the semi-main, you know. Oh, but but then you also run into the problem of those guys outperforming, you know, putting on a better fight. 
Oh, yeah, but that's a, I think that's okay because with the UFC owning them, yeah. you go, you get to see these guys in these weight classes on, you know, on, yeah. on the WEC show. And maybe maybe what you could do also is maybe you add them into the mix by putting a, uh, a match that happened three months ago, you put that on Unleashed. Maybe you can sneak it in that way where you can showcase a guy before maybe a pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, Faber, he, you know, that guy's got so, he's got so much charisma that he could really add a lot of... I actually think that guy could be marketable as a draw on pay-per-view. You know, the guy's got... Yeah, not by himself, but in addition, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's got a great look, a lot of charisma. His fights are exciting. Yeah, he, he would definitely be a draw. And granted, they pretty much always fight. I forget the casino that they fight in there, but... Yeah, you know, he's got people, there's people that love him and hate him, and they're vocal about him, and he's got a, a natural ability to pull those people in. Definitely, definitely. And the Rangers lost in the shootout. God damn it. <laughs> you know, we haven't even talked about really, I, I, you guys might have discussed this yesterday, but we haven't talked about the paper. Did you, uh, did you guys talk about the paper yesterday? But the the no because it was going on as we were doing the show so oh okay you talking about for the for the nightmare on Observer Live no I'm for uh, did you guys do the Rubber Guard Radio yesterday oh no this this is my first time doing it oh okay um, did we uh, did you guys discuss the paper the No Way Out pay per view at all. Uh, no, I I didn't. I don't know if KZ did. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought he he's not on the air. He's not there anymore? <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah, this is my first time doing the show. Okay, I'm here, guys. Oh, okay. There you are. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm having phone issues and also blog talks fucking with me. So, um, oh, we okay. did not run down, we did not run down the pay-per-view. Um, we, we usually do our shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, oh, Okay. My, my but that was a hell of a fucking show, wasn't it? You know, I, I watched it with a large group of people, and we actually all felt that the show overall wasn't good. We just, I mean, our consensus was the main event was good, but the rest of the card wasn't that great. Mm. Well, I, I'm, I'm marking out solid, dude, for that double Samoan Samoan drop by Umaga. That was insane, and I did post a gif of it. It is in my signature now on the F4W board, so that was just an insane spot, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Umaga's the man." Yeah, that was a, that was an awesome match. Um, I, I really liked the finish of the first. Uh, you know, I, I really liked the finish of the first um, elimination chamber with Batista mm-hmm. and Undertaker. That was an awesome finish right there, with how they got into the uh, the tombstone. That was really that was cool. Yeah, that was that was really good, really good. That was a Pat Patterson finish. Yeah, that was good now, stuff. Yeah. Now the the elimination chamber as a whole match was not good, but no. Uh, you but know, you know what though? Man. You know, Undertaker's Gogo Plata is so sloppy looking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really really sloppy. It's like, dude, but he, you know. Another another thing too is he was pinning himself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it works great in UFC and stuff, but, hell, his shoulders are down. You know, he should be covered. All right, Matt, 
I, I, we're going to just jump, completely jump off this subject. And I was talking to a friend of mine. He's uh, on his retirement tour, and uh, he he's booked with a you know with a greenhorn who's been in the business under a year, and the greenhorn you know wants to uh, put him over on his way out. And my my buddy you know wants to put the other guy over, so they they're trying to figure out a finish. And I I said you know what why don't you guys try a double submission. How do you think that would work in the ring, a double submission? Uh, it, it depends what context of the card you're on. I, it, oh, it's it the main depends. event. It's, if it's the main event, I mean, are they coming back with the same match? I mean, no. if it's a retirement retirement match, I don't think it's a good finish. Well, no, it's, it's, my, it's my buddy's uh, farewell tour, So, and this is it, his last shot for this company. And, and, oh, neither, oh, guy, no. ne- and neither guy wants to win. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, you do a double submission and nobody's getting over. That's the only problem. How would you book it, though? How I mean, would you either guy wants to win? Well, it's not a. I, in my opinion, it wouldn't be up to the guy work the two guys working the match. It'd be up to the booker. I mean, if a guy's mm-hmm. leaving, I'd have him lose. I mean, yeah. You know, well, I. Mean, I, I my 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 whole point, Matt, is though. How would you book the finish of a double submission? Um, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I've seen know, double knockouts, I've seen double pins, I've seen the submission yeah. with a pin, but I've never seen a double submission like that. Yeah, I, I was just kind of wondering. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how you would do a double submission. I really haven't thought about that before. Yeah. Uh, double uh, ankle locks, maybe, or something when they're both put double leg locks or something like that. It's uh, huh. yeah. I mean, it could be interesting. You know, have have both the guys tap at the same time would be interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's that's what I'm. You know, I mean, what the hell? I mean, do something different. You yeah. know, and and <clears throat> uh, but also uh, those those that are listening, we do have open phone lines. Uh, area code three four seven two one five seven nine four six. If you have any questions for Mike Sempervivi or Matt Farmer or myself, call in. We can uh, we can talk about anything. It doesn't matter anything. <clears throat> so Matt, what do you have coming up this weekend? Uh, I'm going to check out the uh, Strike Force show, and uh, that's all. I'm not going to. I'm not wrestling this weekend. Kind of taking a little couple weeks off here. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just gonna. I, I've just been busy, so I've taken a couple of weeks off wrestling. Um, That's good. Yeah, it's always good to do that once. Yeah, I mean, you want to go out. Myself, I like to go out and party, so mm-hmm. sometimes wrestling gets in the way of that. So I want to go out and have some fun, <laughs> hang out with some friends. Right. Uh, yeah, that's about all. Uh, like I said, watch the pay per view yet. On Sunday with uh, Brian Alvarez and Vince, uh, I call him um, Vince Torelli, uh, Vince Ruhai. Shoulders. Shoulders Torelli, yeah. And uh, Craig Proper, we all sat down and watched the show. It was a pretty good show. Um, you know, we also had fun hanging out and stuff, so it was good. Cool. Um, yeah, besides that, really not a lot coming up. So... Um, do you have a, a real job, Matt? I do, yes. I I work in the mortgage business. Oh, cool. 
I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, huh? Yeah, it's kind of a rough year, but it's not bad. Not bad. Well, well, it's a rough year for everybody, brother. Believe me. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's getting anything. Anybody. Yeah. No, it's it's actually gotten a lot better this past six months or so. It's really picked up a lot, so that's good. That's good. Hopefully, uh, things turn around and you know you make a little make a little uh, coin. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. That's what it's all about. So, uh, <clears throat> so Mike, um, other than being paid by Figure Four Online dot com to do a radio show, what do you do in the real world? I sling booze for a living. Oh really? I never have an off season. It's just it's great all the time because in good times people drink and bad times people drink. So yes, the spirits industry. That's kind of funny. You you and Dr. Keith are both bartenders. That's pretty cool. Well, it's <laughs> actually more in the, the retail end of it, but I used to be a bartender except for, yeah, I got old and the, the hours just, they hurt. So um, on the, I've had to slow it up a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I, it is kind of I ironic picture, that he did drink a lot during his wedding. I, I can picture uh, Coyote Ugly with uh, you and Dr. Keith behind the bar and uh, Brian standing on top stripping and doing his little... Uh, his gay uh, gymnastics routines up on the bar. <laughs> well, at least you can picture that, because God knows I can't and don't want to. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, we're going to take a quick break so I can uh, pay the bills. Uh, my sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com, for all your uh, Lucha Libre masks, DVDs, uh, T-shirts, WWE swag. He's got all kinds of stuff. Um, WrestleWarehouse.com. And when you go in, tell them that KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. And also, within the next week, week and a half, we'll be launching our website, RubberGuardRadio.com, which will archive all of our shows. And we will also have uh, bloggers from the world of Mixed Martial Arts and Pro Wrestling and Mr. Farmer here on the air will be writing a blog as well. Um, We are looking for sponsors. Um, I can cut you one hell of a deal. I'm not going to put any numbers out on the air, but if you want to contact me, myspace.com backslash rubberguardradio or kidzombie2000 at aol.com. That's it. Our our site is... uh, pretty much ready to go. We just need to uh, take care of the hosting and stuff. Um, Matt, have you written a blog for me yet? I'm actually working on it tonight. I've got a couple ideas on flow. I'm I'm still not sure what... uh, I'm not set in stone what the... uh, You know, if you guys have any suggestions as far as topics, I'd be more than happy to hear some. Anything, man. Anything. It's it's, pretty wide. You know, I mean, it's... It's it's your it's your feelings it's your thoughts your opinions. Right you now, only fifteen people in Canada seem to like Ring of Honor, which just surprises me. I fifteen people. 16. I heard it was sixteen, and one of those included Lance Storm. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's what. Oh, this Sunday we were joking about that when uh when Brian told me that there were sixteen buys in Canada. She's like, remember that probably Lance Storm was one of those. That's funny. That, that's a parent gigantic package. It was another one. So really, he was actually worth two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. 
and what's sad is probably the other 15 were done by the boys, you know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing for how uh, intelligent Canadian fans are and how hip they are and as far as keeping up with things that you'd figure that even though they are so pro sports entertainment and pro WWE that there'd be at least a little bit more interest in them. It's just it's really a, a surprise. Well, do you now, now that, that's 16 buys. That's a legitimate number, right? Yeah. Well, one of them, yeah, at least for one of them. Now, this wasn't all, weren't all the uh, cable companies, obviously, but one of them reported, and I'm not sure what their their universe was for their community, but 16 or something like that. And apparently another one was like 37. That's wow. insane. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you well, wonder, you wonder if, um, if, Ring of, if Ring of Honor has, if, if this is, you, you, it kind of makes you curious as to what they do in America then. Uh, now, I know we're a lot, you know, we're a lot more populated country than, than Canada is, but still, it's it's amazing, you know. It's got to be costing them some kind of money to put that on pay-per-view. Um, Matt, do you follow the Chikara product at all? You know, I, I've seen I've seen a little bit of their stuff, but no, I haven't. I, I heard it's pretty entertaining, though. It's wacky. Um, Mike, you, you follow Chikara, don't you? I, I don't actually follow it on a regular basis. I do try to catch it when I can. They suffer. It's just one of those things where if, if I'm watching a whole bunch of Japanese wrestling, I just don't have time to get the thing, so I'm way behind on a couple of promotions right now. They're one of them. Uh, them, Ring of Honor, actually, Dragon Gate has been suffering because I've been watching more women's wrestling recently, and there's been a lot more uh, DDT and All Japan shows that have come out. So I've, I've tried to keep up with those just for the show, and unfortunately, the other ones have suffered for me. Yeah, that, that's my, my. I'm in the same boat too. I've honestly, in the last year, I haven't really gotten any new. Uh, I've just fallen way behind in getting new DVDs of the newer promotions out there. You know, I really slacked off that doing that. I've been, but yeah. I've been collecting tapes and stuff for 20 years, so it's you know you, you fall into those traps once in a while. Yeah, and, and at, at least both. with Ring of Honor, you can at least keep up with the storylines. Whereas Chikara are really outside of like you know I know pretty much there's the lineup for the trio show, but outside of that, I don't really see. I, I'm, it's a little bit more difficult to keep up with them. Yeah, see, I, um, I don't even I don't even routinely watch Ring of Honor. I'll, I will watch them once in a while, but I don't keep. I don't keep up to date on all their shows, definitely. Um, I've seen a lot of their shows live and things like that, but I, I just can't watch every show. I, I I get burnt out by it, to be honest with you. So, Mike, do you attend live events, um, you know, on a regular basis? or I used to do it a lot. I really just – I don't do it anymore. When I lived in – I used to live pretty much right in between Baltimore and Washington. So everything that they came along the pike that came into the Cap Center or the Baltimore Arena or or any of the smaller shows I would go to, I moved to to the shore. So now I live at the beach, and it's just it's two hours to Philly, it's two hours to Baltimore now, two hours to uh, plus to DC, and really nothing else is down here. Uh, the Briscoes had a small promotion for a while, along with uh, I guess some of the remnants from the old Maryland Championship Wrestling started a school, and they had a a small TV show that really only lasted a couple episodes. But uh, they run shows occasionally. I'll try to make it to those. But really outside of that, it's just too far to travel now. And now they're having a kid, too. It's 
kind of made it everything non-existent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And another thing is too is uh, you know I used to be a huge fan of going to different indie shows, but the thing is, is you just don't see as many things special anymore. You know. Well, the, uh, you know what though, farmer. The the problem I think with you is that, uh, or up in your area is there aren't that many workers. So you're seeing, you know, like the same matches and the same guys. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's not as much yeah. variety. No, I agree with that. But I, I used to travel a lot to go to shows too, indie shows. Um, and, and you know, I just don't have that urge to travel to see things as much as I used to. You know, like if mm-hmm. if there was a cool name. You know, like say Abdul the Butcher, for instance, that he's working a rare show in a certain area, like in Las Vegas or something like that. I would travel to go see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because it was a novelty, but you don't see that as much anymore. Right. You know, you don't you don't see the the guys that rarely ever worked indies working the shows anymore. You don't really have like a lot of stars on the indie scene working that you know that you'd never get a chance to see before. So. Right. And sometimes going to see guys like that, it gets incredibly depressing. I mean, when you see Iron Mike Sharp, and he's got he's still got the armband on, but he's got like the arm fat popping out of it, and you know the iron sheet. These guys, I mean, it's kind of depressing. Whereas before, you know, not to say back in the day, but back in the day, you got you know a Brody might come to your town, or Mick Foley when he would show up for for Axl Rotten's shows was that was always really cool. You'd get guys like that. Where now it's Unfortunately, you're getting guys who are kind of caricatures of themselves in many yeah, cases exactly. on those shows. Yeah. And you got less stars now today, too, because there's not as many, you know, there's not as many huge promotions around the country anymore. So you have less stars working the independent scene. You know, you go back and look at an observer from 1990, and you look at the independent scene, and there's just a ton of old stars or old regional stars working in the independent scene, so it gave you something to want to look forward to, you know. You don't see that as much, as often today. I, I do, you know, when I do travel, I do get, I always make it a point to go to the shows. Like, when I'll, I'll go down to Mexico later this year, and I'll make it a point to go to some shows, you know. Uh, you know, I love going down to shows in Mexico. That, that's one of my favorites to do, is just go down there and go to some shows. Like, even little independent shows down there is just awesome. You might get some shitty matches, but still, it's still a lot of fun to watch, you know. Um, Mike? Yes, Michael? Um, yes. I have to take a break. Um, I'm going to tuck my son in. I'm going to put him to bed. So can you uh, run the show between you and Matt for me? Uh, okay. You guys just figure out something to talk about, and I'll be right back. All right. All right, thanks, Great. Now, Mike, you said that you uh, grew up in the like the Washington D.C. Baltimore area. When yes. did you first When did you first start attending shows, live shows? Uh, we moved to D.C. Well, I was five. That was 1982. Um, it was I I can remember as far back as 1985 going to shows, and they were almost at that time it was just the arena, the Baltimore Civic Center. Uh, and went to it, it was mostly at that time we went to WWF shows and to Crockett shows, and at yeah. the time, like looking back, didn't realize exactly how great everything was, and we were one of the places that got you know both groups. Yeah, and, there was, and that's what's interesting. That area that you lived in was always for years a really interesting part of the country because you were right on the border of two major promotions. 
Oh, yeah, and it made me the, the, the geek fan that I am today. And the, the, just that there were so many TV shows. There were three different WWF shows that would play on two different channels. Uh, both uh, the A and B Crockett shows were on. Florida was on. There were AWA, Mid-South, uh, Savoldi. It was just a ridiculous amount because there were so many people moving. Even the area, too, they had so many more of these new independent TV stations. And they yeah. just packed them day after day with world class and just the most random shit you can imagine. All of it was in that area, and it just, it was absolutely, it was fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, even world class got so popular that they did a couple tours up in the Massachusetts, New England area. For I believe it was, I believe they went to Connecticut, they went to Baltimore, they went to Massachusetts, and I think they went to Rhode Island. They did some yeah, hot shows up there. They did, I think that was a tie-in with Savoldi. And then I think I think they went to Puerto Rico, too, after that or around that time, too, with, with that tour. But, yeah, they, yeah. they went up there and they, they did incredibly well. That was actually, believe it or not, always one of my least favorite promotions, though, even though it's you know, everybody's looking back on it now because of the two documentaries that have come out so strongly. But for me, outside of Kerry Von Erich, there really wasn't a whole lot about world class I liked. I ended up more with Mid Atlantic and and uh, Mid South, which yeah. I absolutely well, by, adored. By the mid to late eighties, I could see why world class wouldn't be your favorite. But world class early on, you know, like the eighty two, eighty three period, that was just awesome. Just it was just on fire, you know. Oh yeah, it was. It just for some reason at the time, I just I can't remember a whole lot of, of liking that one as much as the flares and the in the steamboats and. I was just so Mr. Mid-Atlantic and, and Mr. WWF because there was so much more of that. That and the AWA, believe it or not, for some bizarre reason, when the, the Road Warriors were there and, and Jimmy Garvin and Regal. and when they, Actually, I liked the Freebirds a lot more there, and then I loved the Freebirds a lot more in, in Mid-South when they went there. It was just always something weird about world, world class. I'm, one of the, I'm in the minority when it comes to them as far as you know, liking their product more than anything else. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. I appreciate world-class more now that I'm older than I did at the time because I'll, I'll go back and watch matches from the early 80s in world-class and I'll just be amazed at how good some of the stuff is and how excited the crowd is and how you know how into the product it is. But I always liked wrestling in the small, not I wouldn't say small, but the dark, dingy-looking places. I, I always preferred that myself when I was a kid. Me too, just because when you went to shows, and, you know, again, back in the day it was, you had the shitty light over the ring, and then everything would dim except for that light. And, you know, that's yeah. what I was used to. It just That's why I always liked that. And I can look back even with, like, WWE now with a little bit more respect as far as what they do as far as production and everything goes. But that was one of the reasons I always stuck with the NWA is just that yeah. it looked better. To me, it just looked more real. And especially when Mid-South was, you know, you go back to them, too, because of Watts and how they, they sold the product. I mean, it really got you, to me, it made you more emotionally invested than, than going to see the circus. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up on Portland wrestling on Don Owen. And when I would go to live shows, there we would be in like an armory or a pavilion or something like that, you know, a 2,000 or 3,000 seat building. And they would have they would have the ring set up in the center. And they may or may not have guardrails, but it was just, if not, they would just have, like, a little rope. And to me, that always came, as a kid, when I went to WWF or Crockett, 
and the shows, you go to the shows, and there was all these fancy mats outside the ring and guardrails and stuff. I always thought that when I was a kid, that always seemed less legitimate to me for some reason. I don't know why. It just came, it just came off as phonier for some reason. Uh, uh, just the other day, someone asked me, "What do you miss about like old school wrestling?" I remember, and I told him, as a kid. My, one of my favorite things to do was to go up to the ring and get the autographs of the wrestlers before the show. You know, and that's something that we were able to do when I was a kid. We'd go right up to the ring, right during ring introductions, and get autographs. You know, that's something that you, you never see that anywhere now, you know. No, God, no. In fact, real people can't even get that close to the ring. I remember I knew how things were changing when... One, we used to be able to sneak around the buildings and you used to be able to, to weasel into places and know where these guys were going to be before and after the matches. And to see all that go away with as much security as they have. But also when they, we used to always be able to sneak away during intermission and know when the tickets were going to go on sale for the next show. And we used to get, you know, right front row and right on the guardrail so you could see these guys as they got in the ring. And then yeah, third be where you'd buy a ticket for front row and you weren't front row, you were five back because there was commission and there was all this other stuff and free comp tickets, and that's how I knew everything was changing, too. Yeah, definitely. You know, out here in the Northwest, if you wanted to get a front-row ticket, to, and this is no joke, in Portland at the Portland Sports Ring, if you wanted to get a front-row ticket, someone had to die for you to get that front-row ticket. Because all the front rows, the first couple rows were reserved because they had regulars every single week, and that was their chair. Like, there was um, um, Ringside Rosie. She sat in the same chair, same location, every single show for 20 years. And it was serious. If you need, if you wanted to get a front row ticket, someone had to pass away so you could get that ticket. And I tell you, that's awesome to, to, to have it built that way, you know, instead of now where it's just like, you know, some asshole who owns the radio station who's, you know, letting him do advertising and gets three comp seats and... You know, yeah. nobody that's sitting there even wants to be there. We noticed that a lot when, when the Great American Bash, like, 89, as great as that was. And then, you know, up until the last ones where just all the steam, they just took, they just sucked all the life out of it. And it's it's like that across the board with sports now anymore. I mean, I don't know who yeah. paid the million dollars for the, the De La Hoya Mayweather front row seat that was dead across from the hard camera, but somebody actually did that. And it's yeah, just amazing. Okay, but, but okay, I'm going to interrupt you guys. I'm sorry I took so long. Leo Del Gizzi had a nightmare, so I had to tuck him in and kiss him goodnight. But oh, I am okay. back on the air. So, <clears throat> from what uh, we were running down, it sounded like you guys were talking about uh, older shows. Um, yeah. So, Mike, Mike, what's what uh, what live event did you attend that that's your favorite all time? Um. Probably Bash '89. It's that's probably the one. I mean, there's there's some moments on some other ones. I wish that I, I never knew if it was taped or not. They did a uh, remember the Tower of Doom or the Triple Cage of Terror. They called it in World Class. Do you remember that when they did it at the Bash? Yeah, that was '89. Yeah, well, that, that, no, that was it were '90. I forget exactly what yeah what year it was, but that same year they did they kept the structure. I guess they built it in the area and they actually had it at the Capitol Center. And it was, and went to that, and there were no cameras or anything, but it was still part of the Bash tour. Or it was getting towards the end, and they, yeah, it was they before. Would do it on house show. They they would do the Tower of Dooms on house shows. Oh, did they actually bring it? Okay, I, that I didn't know, but it was it was mm. the Horsemen, 
I think it was just, it was just the Horsemen, and I think J.J. Dillon against uh, the Superpowers and the Road Warriors. That oh, was that one. They they were also doing this. They were also doing some with the Horsemen and Kevin Sullivan against like the Superpowers and Jimmy Garvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get Garvin and Sullivan. If, if it was just the eight of them, I'm pretty sure it was Dylan and, and Elring that were there too. But that was okay. a, a great. That was always going to be memorable to me, and you know, the, to the point where I can't even remember the rest of the show. I know there was, I think there was some Missy Hyen action with Cornette or something like that too. But I don't even remember the rest of the show. But that was just awesome. But as far as the show from top to bottom, Batch '89 has got to be it. It just. It, if you ever see it on TV, it just didn't do it any justice. The, they they just blew the roof off the arena. It was absolutely yeah, insane. There's a lot of those Crockett shows on handhelds, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, which, which would be awesome to find, you know. Oh God, yeah, and that's uh, just there. It just tore the roof off the place. That's it, too bad they can't get that kind of organic reaction anymore. But it's just that—that's probably my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Matt? As a fan, not as a worker, but as a fan. As a fan, wow! I've got there's so many shows I've been to. Um, I've got a couple really favorite ones, and it wasn't necessarily because the show was so great, just because of maybe the emotion. I went to a, I went to a show, a lucha show, down in Mexico. A few, oh boy, this was not too long ago. It was in 2003, and it was when Santo wrestled Super Parco. And they did the mask. It's where Super Parker dropped his mask. Um, the whole show overall wasn't that great, but there was two matches on it that were just outstanding. Um, there was a tag match with Pedro Guayo Jr. and a local guy named Arachnid mm-hmm. against um, El Dandy and no, I'm sorry, it was Aranu and another, and it was against um, El Dandy and another local guy, and they just tore it up. They had just an awesome match. And then, of course, the main event was Santo versus uh, Super Parker, where Super Parker dropped his mask, and it was just, emotionally, it was just one of the best cards I've ever went to. I mean, when Santo was close to losing his mask, there was just, there was fans, actually, there was a lady next to me who was crying. She was actually in tears, like, shivering, um, because... Santa was close to losing his mask, you know, and those kind of matches right there, it just, it's always going to stick out in my mind. Um, probably one of the, my favorite shows I ever went to also was, uh, um, it was when Crockett was touring and they were doing their Bunkhouse, Bunkhouse Stampede tour and Flair wrestled Sting locally at the, in Seattle and they also had like the Road Warriors and, you know, Lex Luger and Dick Murdoch and all those guys. That show was really good, and then they used a lot of uh, Don Owens guys on the undercard. So that was a really great show too. That was one of my one of the favorite one of my favorites that I've ever won to. One of my one of my favorites was at the Cow Palace uh, Super Clash Two, Hennig and Bockwinkle, and um, I was in the front row, and I still have the coins. Oh wow! That's, <laughs> That's <awesome>. right. <laughs> That's I still awesome. have yeah, actually, I've got that on. I've got that on tape. That's a, a really good show. Yeah, it is exceptional. Um, that match was so good. But it, it remember the highlight you played on the AWA show, <laughs> sitting there watching it on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't the best match that they had. The best match was uh, it, it aired New Year's Eve, 
1986, the one-hour draw, and again, yeah. the, uh, oh, oh, yeah. the bloodbath, oh, that was the good stuff. That no, should uh, be coming on 24-7 soon, because I definitely yeah, sure. need a quality upgrade. So. I, I, and they're going to be replaying AWA, I guess, on ESPN Classic coming up, too, beginning on the 27th. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Awesome. I, I actually went to a lot of shows when I was really young, a lot of Don Owen shows that were just unbelievably great as far as heat, you know, and everything. I mean, we had a young... You know, Dynamite Kid, Kurt Henning, Buddy Rose, all those guys out here locally. And, you know, and I'd see them in a little, you know, in front of 2,000 people or 1,000 people. And then it's just, those shows were just unbelievably good. Too bad you couldn't bottle that and sell it. You know, I, I mean, that's... a camcorder with me. You know, that was, that was, the, that was back in the day. You know, the days. You know, yeah. never mind the crap you see now. Those were the days. Yeah, definitely. You know, sure, I sound I may sound like a bitter old man, and and you know, I really don't like the product nowadays. But um, you know, I I try to find something, you know, in there that, you know, that I could enjoy. But I mean, it it the business isn't what I fell in love with. You know. Well, just really remember, when all else fails, there's hustle. <laughs> Good point. Good you can't point. hate a fighting opera. No. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Actually, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there today. It's just harder to find, and, you know, you don't have that. You, there's not as much emotion attached to it as there was back, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, that, that's my point exactly, Matt. That's my my point exactly. There There yeah. isn't any genuine feeling. You know, you don't see heat, you know, other, you know the big show May, uh, Mayweather thing. You know, yeah. that is pro wrestling. That is pro wrestling. That's yeah, that, exactly that, that, what it is. Yeah, it was very entertaining, you know. It's it just you, you don't like Orton and Cena. I, I thought the Orton Cena match on paper he was really a bad match. I mean, I, I don't know as far as crowd reactions overall, and I, I didn't care for that match. Um, but I don't ever remember being disappointed in main events when I was a kid at live shows. You know, and that's what that's the way I think. Is like when I was a young kid, and I'd see a main event with like Buddy Rose or whoever. I don't ever remember being disappointed. I also right. remember the the matches just being really good. You know, a lot of blood and a lot of action, and everything. What about yeah, Ray? What about Ray? Can you believe this man with that injury? He goes in and works. That's fucking crazy. It was oh, that every was- time. Every time he would do something, we would just cringe, you know, because we know how. I have yeah, exactly. one, of my friends, one of my best friends who wrestles in Chicago um, under the name Nikki Six. He had the same exact injury. He's been out for six or seven months. There you uh, go. There you go. I, I don't understand. Well, just stay incredibly stupid to me, but I mean, it's yeah, you got to give him credit for his guts, but. You know, it's just, it's too bad. I'm going to be happy. One part of me is going to be really happy when Mysterio leaves just because then he can finally take the extra 45 pounds he doesn't need off his body off, and hopefully he'll still be able to walk. Hope so. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, you got to look at the same coin, uh, you know, same side of the coin. I mean, he's, he wants to work, man. He wants that payday. Oh, yeah. You know. 
he might, you know, if he's in a if he's in a high enough position on that card, he might be looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know. Well, he is he is with the the Mayweather, so yeah. Now, um, ow. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm I'm going to change the subject. So go go right uh, ahead. Well, I I, just, I heard that there was a press press release sent out by WWE today that just stated it as a singles match between. Floyd Mayweather and Big Show. Oh, God, no. That's got to be fake, dude. That's got to yeah. be. There's no way. There's no way they're going to do that. Well, either no, it's going to lead to a, a, a magical replacement for Floyd in that match, which is uh, yeah. within the realm of possibility. Yeah, exactly. Who would it be? No, I mean, I'm not sure who it would be. It's, it guess it just depends. I mean, obviously... In a way, if, if it's Hogan, that that's great because then you get Hogan's show and you can have, you know, Floyd. Can, they can come up with a story that when they, he was at the WrestleMania, it, when Hogan slammed Andre and he wants to see it happen, you know, they could bring up something like that. Either that, or you just you, you insert somebody that maybe you get them for one time. I'm not sure who, who you could bring back. RVD maybe for one, yeah, but. It looks like he's going to be out for a significant period of time, but there's always somebody you can drag into the mix. I mean, Christ, if they were able to drag Lashley, who I never really got it with, in, into the mix with the Vince Trump storyline last year, they can get somebody else in mm-hmm. and make it work. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Mayweather's there. The supporting cast is the biggest deal in this, and they've got it already. And you got the the guy who can act in the big show who's going to be able to carry his weight. So really, no matter who's in there is, going to be kind of inconsequential yeah it will be and and i'm sure ray's going to try all that he can try to make it into that into that match i mean you know he's there if if he's physically able and wwe will allow him to work he'll be there oh yeah well let's uh let's switch gears here um we're going to talk about japan this should make mike happy um what what do you think the first half of the year match of the year is in Japan, Japan, in your opinion, Mike? Um, probably not. I still haven't seen the entire Nakamura angle match. I've only seen the last five minutes full of that one. But uh, Tanahashi Nakamura at the beginning of the year was really good at the Dome Show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's up there. Nagata and Angle was really good. Uh, it, but that, to me, it should have went a little bit longer even, actually. But that was a really, really good match. Um, I'm trying to think anything else off the top of my head right now. Really, nothing out of Noah yet that, that stood out, or all Japan for that matter. It's probably one of those two, as, as it stands right now. Well, my my choice my choice is uh, from zero one, January first, I think it is, or the eighth. Um, Dick Togo and Akuta Hadaka against the Motor City Machine Guns. Now that that, that was a, that, that was, was really a, good. Fucking match. You know, when I saw it, you know, on Zach Arnold's site that they that they booked that match, I was like, okay, this is going to steal it. And damn, it's a damn good match. Matt, have you seen that match? No, I haven't yet. I haven't seen any Japan for the last two months, three months. Actually. Okay, I'm sorry. What what I'll do is I'll I'll upload the match for you and I'll uh, I'll send it to you so you can okay. check it out. It's a really really well worked tag match. Yeah, um, by far the best thing on that card, unless you're a really big fan of Zero and Max, and I'm kind of up and down with it for the most part. I'm not a huge fan, but 
you know, compared to Tanaka and Sekimoto and some of the other stuff that was on there, I mean, that, that did stand out. Well, I mean, I'm 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 a huge mark for Hadaka and Togo, and I also love the machine guns. So you know, it's four of four of my guys. Um, I'm not going to make the mistake that I always do when talking about Togo by saying I love Dick, but <laughs> you know. <clears throat> All right. Well, I guess we can um, we can switch gears again. Uh, first half of the year, or actually, what would it be? First quarter, I guess. First quarter of the year. Uh, U.S. match of the year. Shit, first quarter only in the first two months. <laughs> well, first eight. There you go. So far, what do you think, Mike? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think. The the rumble. The the rumble was really good. I kind of got a kick out of that. As, as much of a cop out as that is, I'm trying to think of anything that's really stood out as far as any of the other. Anything major goes. I'm trying to think if there's anything from TNA, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'd probably say, yeah, really, for as of now, two months in, I'd say the Rumble, actually. I had a blast with that show. Yeah, it was good. What do you think, Matt? Uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to figure... Wasn't, wasn't Sean in a really good really good singles match this year? Um, Cena, wasn't it? No. On Raw? Was that was that this year, Mike? No, 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 no. Cena came back at the Rumble and then he came out and faced uh, it was a work yeah. or somebody like that. I can't remember who it was, but that that's yeah. all that was. Yeah, the the Rumble was really good. I, and see, I hadn't watched any Ring of Honor this year, so anything new this year. So I'd I'd have to say probably the Rumble. I I can't think of anything in in TNA that would touch it. So mm. yeah, I would have to say the Rumble too. Yeah, I'm gonna to have to agree with you on that one too. Um, it's and you know, you know it's was a, Kong and was Kong and Kim in in January? Yes. Okay, so I and I'll throw that one in there too. It just sometimes I like Joshi a little bit too much, but I mean that was that was fun. really fun. That was a really good match, and how it shows that you can have women's wrestling that can be entertaining. Yeah. Emphasize I, on I, the I, word wrestling, Michael. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the chamber too. That was a uh, the you know the raw chamber. That was a, a really good. That match. was fun too. Yeah. And oh, you know, and I totally forgot about it, but I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed Hardy, uh, Jeff Hardy, and uh, you know, Jeff Hardy had a couple of really good matches this year so far. Hasn't he, had he stepped up his game? He really has. He had that. He had a really good match with Michaels on pay, on on Raw. Get a really good match with with Triple H on pay per view. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that uh, Jeff has surpassed Matt. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. As far as overall, as far as a a, a draw and everything else, yeah, he has, mm-hmm. has. Technically, he's not as good as Matt. No, um, but wow. as far as the overall package, yeah, he's he's, he's better. Well, um, Mike, what what do you think of Jeff Hardy? Yeah, I, I've come around to him a lot over the really the, the past year. Uh, I always kind of looked at him before as just Ricky Morton plus really fun high spots. And the more he's gone on, the more time has come on. That I was a big, I was a far bigger fan of Matt Hardy when they split, and I couldn't understand why they they weren't doing more with him instead of Jeff because he gave Jeff that shot right away, and he was in the Triple H Steve Austin mix. 
and and I think The Undertaker too, I guess at the time. But uh, I, it took me a while to get for to come around to him and to actually see him put together things a little bit better and sell a little bit better and just have overall better matches. And I was kind of you know unsure of him because he was out of TNA. You know, just didn't think he was going to be able to to be able to carry anything. And last year was great. I mean, yeah. really, and going into this year, it's just, it's, you can't say, I, I'm not one of those people that thinks, okay, you give the title to, to Jeff Hardy. I don't believe that. But it, to, to continue to push him at the A level, I think absolutely, his name belongs in that mix up there for as long as the people will have him. And the people want him. And it's amazing with Matt Hardy, they've never given a shit about the fact that people like them. And with Jeff, it, at least they are with Jeff. Yeah, and he's a you legitimate. Know, he's a legitimate contender. He can be placed into any main event on a pay per view, and he will draw because yeah. they have made him. You know, well, they've made him. When we were watching the pay per view, uh, pretty much the consensus thought was that now would be the time for WWE to really pull the trigger with Jeff Hardy and put him into. Uh, a larger position. I really think the fans are at that point where they want to see him as an A game guy. You know, I think not only should they have put him over Triple H and Shawn Michaels, but they should actually put him over top guys uh, more more consistently just to build him up as a to make him in the fans' eyes a true guy that could beat anybody. I really think that they need to put you know pull the trigger with him. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could sit here and say we could sit here and say his faults. We could cut down his faults and say, well, you know, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. But hell, dude, he he's way more marketable than way more marketable, and I think he's a way better worker. And he he gets a lot better crowd reactions than say Mr. Kennedy, for instance. Oh yeah, I mean, he and Umaga deserve to me far far better, far far yeah. better. Definitely, yeah. Umaga's another guy. He works. With Umaga's really good. I like yeah, yeah. it. Really, there's one, the, there's one of the pluses of a guy who, you know, there are some guys who used to back in the day go to Japan and come back better. And, it's you know, there are some guys who come back and think they're a lot better. He's a, there's a case of somebody who went to all Japan and just too bad his brother can't do it, but he has been fantastic. He was fantastic in Japan and fantastic coming back with the gimmick they gave him. Yeah, definitely. I think it was one of those situations, too, where he needed to go because when he left, I think one of the reasons why they sent him out, not because of just his personal reasons, but because the guy couldn't control his body. I think he really learned a lot of body control while he was over there as far as not killing people in the ring. Well, speaking of killing people, who is going to be the one that puts Mr. Kennedy in his place? Um... As know, far as, you know, him stiffing yeah, people and, you know, it's fucking work. Oh, dude, he's fucking horrible. Oh. Jesus. I, I, I remember there was a year ago there was a lot of hype around him, and I just never saw it. I always, He always looks clumsy to me. His shit looks horrible. I, I, I cringe every time Shawn Michaels works with him because I could just hear Shawn Michaels in his head bitching, you know, about having to work him. Oh, yeah, cringe every time he gives that uh, uh, Lambo plunge or whatever he calls it now to someone. Just it just scares me for some reason. Yeah. I, I Hardcore Holly will probably be the guy. 
I think Kennedy's going to be the guy because every he's close to injuring himself every match he wins. <laughs> you know, and I think he's going to break his neck or break a leg or something like that. And yeah, it seems like every match he's in, he's busting somebody's lip up or hurting them or something. So, I I think that it'll be Finley. Finley's going to, you know, teach you know show him the old the old uh, English ways. You know how they do it in the UK. He's going to beat the living fuck out of him. You know, yeah. like uh, like uh, Regal, Regal and uh, and Finley had that that brawl WCW. You know, with the shoot broken nose. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's got to be, and someone's got to put that fucker in his place because you know it's really bad for business. You know, it, it really is, and it's it's bad, bad. Well, did you guys watch the pay per view in HD this past Sunday? Yes, I did. Yeah. The sound yeah, was thought, great. Yeah, it was The great. sound was, was really awesome great. for the chamber matches. Yeah. <clears throat> and what did you guys think about the what did you guys think about Raw last night with uh, the Vince McMahon Finley angle? Well, it's <laughs> I guess it's we get to see JBL and Finley instead of uh Vince against Finley. To, to me that would have been far more fun. But uh, you know, it's I like how somebody described it. You got you got the Owen Hart, you know, level of announcing, and then you bring it right back with my man Santino. You know, talking about is everybody happy tonight? So you know, it's just it's typical WWE stuff, and it, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, it's it, hopefully it, it to me Finley and JBL. I mean, they're gonna have a. It'll be good because both are going to bleed everywhere. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. So I guess I'm fine with it. And hopefully this also will serve to to hopefully, possibly, maybe putting to bed the Hornswoggle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Hope so. You know, Finley's one of those guys too. Like he, to me, he's he's the other side of uh, of Hardy, where he's another guy in a different way that should be have the trigger lit on him. You know, he should. He should be a guy who should maybe be elevated a couple steps up. Well, I'll and say this. The fact he's been able to hang around this feud is, to me, it's just, it, I don't know, it's something natural about McMahon and Finley. I just, it, to me, it looks right. It just, it surprises me that he's even there. Yeah, they, they have a lot of chemistry together. They really do. And Finley's got that, you know, most people would have thought, well, Finley's not a guy who would be a baby face, but, man, I really, he... I've seen him in in Europe as a babyface, mm-hmm. and I think he would be really good in WWE as a babyface. Yeah, because his only other babyface run was well hanging out with Brian Knobs when he came back for WCW. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. you had to go there, didn't you? At, you yeah, know, Finley's army. <laughs> I don't even remember that. So <laughs> you didn't miss a Lucky damn you. thing. <laughs> Well, um, Mr. Farmer, do you follow Lucha at all? I do. Uh, currently, I, you know, I, I, I don't re I don't get to watch a lot of the shows as much as I'd like to. I really haven't kept up with my DVD distributors. You know, I'm actually looking for mm-hmm. a couple places how to get some DVDs from. But uh, Slamba Jamba. What's that? I think SlambaJamba. dot com. Oh, okay. Um, Alfredo, Alfredo's site. He. I think he's still going. Um, okay, yeah, maybe I'll get a link from you later or something. Yeah, um, see if I can find one. I, I really, uh, I do follow it 
you know, I, I read it through the sheets and all that stuff, and I really do keep up with it. So, so currently, um, who's your favorite uh, uh, Mexican worker? Singles. Pero, Pero Guayo, man, that guy. He, I've, I've said this for years. He, the last five or six years, man, that guy is probably one of the best workers right now in, in the in the world. I, I think. I mean, man, the guy's mm-hmm. just got. It. He's a great baby face. He's a great heel. He's got fire. You know, people, you know, Lucha doesn't always translate well, but, man, he's he's great. He's really good. You know, Mystico's really good. Mystico's really entertaining. But I, I think Pero overall, man, he's, if I was doing, like, a top ten best wrestlers in the world right now, he would be in my top three or four. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mike? As far as, as far as having the overall, the whole overall package, you know. Mm-hmm. For me, it's uh, Mexican wrestling is it's kind of dumb to say, but it's now a seasonal thing because once it gets to be hockey season, I buy the center ice package. And one of the things I cut out is the Latino package uh, that has uh, Canal 52 and, and everything. But once hockey season's over, I go back to watching it again and seeing CMLL and being able to see AAA and everything. And for me, because I don't watch it, I don't get a chance to watch it as frequently, even though I try to keep up with it as much as humanly possible. Is you know, Mystico still for me is one of my favorites. Obviously, Aguayo, a better worker, and there are, are far better workers, especially if somebody else is wearing Mystico's outfit, which apparently happens. But uh, <laughs> it's amazing how you can work 17 times on a Sunday. Mine would have to be um, Psychosis. Um, I'm still hooked on that guy. Um, I love his work. Nicho or the or the, the oh the one? real one Nicho, Nicho okay. the real one yeah um, Nicho's awesome. Now as far as tag teams, they got back together. Uh, Ultimo Guerrero and Ray Bucanero. They got back Thank together. God. Finally. Yes. Oh man, I would Speaking love to see those workers. guys. I would love to see them against Hadaka and Togo or the Machine Gun. Yeah, that would be awesome. I want to see them against Penta and Marafuji. I always wanted to see that when they were both peeking out there, one-two all the time for the Observer Awards. Yeah, I was actually uh, booked to work those two guys in Chicago, and they ended up not making the show. So uh, this was like two years ago when they were, you know, running really high down there in Mexico. So that would that's a disappointment for me. But I, those guys are great. Probably one of the best so, tag teams in the world. Who re- who replaced them in that match? No one. The show ended up not happening, and oh, really? Yeah, because Chicago has a lot of lucha shows, and um, yeah, it was like um, about a week before, so the show got canceled. So that kind of stinks. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, th- those guys, and uh, I was booked to work uh, Midnight Express two once before the uh, Condry and uh, Condry and Eaton. And uh, mm-hmm. something fell through with it. You know, one of those indie things where something falls through, you know. So. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that Murphy. That falls through, but like a match with like Randy Rose and Pat Rose won't fall through. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although that would, I, I would still really like to work those guys because Pat Rose, uh, you know, he was really good at it during his time, you know. He really was. Okay, are you still doing the whole Rose Cousins uh they weren't doing a huge touring thing, but they were kind of popping up there. Are they still doing that? From time to time when Pat's not uh, fishing. 
Because <laughs> he, you know, he's a competitive bass fisherman, so. Yes. <laughs> but no, you can yeah. hear your free plug, you can hear him on the Carl Stern show that's on the uh, F4W site, so. Yeah. Well, all right, you, you brought up Carl. Um, what, what do you guys think of Carl Stern's uh, shows? I, oh, I for me, they're great. This is what it is. It, it's Carl with his, he's got his, his slow southern accent going, and he's talking about Continental. And it's great for me because he'll go back into those old, like, PWI, the wrestler days of when I was growing up, and he'll, he'll read match results from, like, 85. And I can remember sitting there, going through the magazines and, and looking at them. And it's just, he's great with history. He's the only, one of the few actual wrestling historians the state of Georgia said he was, so damn it, he is. And, you know, he's just got an incredible knowledge that, that goes back so far. He's just an incredible resource. Yeah, I've never listened to his – well, actually, I take that back. I've listened to one of his podcasts years ago, but I used to post on his message board, his old Dragon King Press message board all the time. Um, but I haven't, I haven't listened to any of his shows recently, no. Mm. Um, for those that are listening live, we have a little over 20 minutes remaining. Um, we'll open up the phone lines, uh, area code 347-215-7946. Um, any topic of discussion, call in. Call in. Well, Mike, let's, uh, let's talk about how you, uh, how you became a, a member of the Figure Four Online staff. What? <laughs> It was pretty easy. We were, uh, Adam and I were, well, we really weren't doing a show. I had already left doing the PPH uh, for the second time. I was filling in for Keith when he was on his honeymoon. And uh, I'd never met Adam before, and we just, I co-hosted, guest-hosted for him, and we just hit it off. So we were doing the PPH show, and then I had written the Frank Gotch uh, part one of that review for the website, and I had... uh, uh, written a little bit in the newsletter for uh, TNA one of the weeks. So because of that, it was figured, hey, Brian, your, your website's starting up. The only shows he had were his at the time. Here's an alternate show. Here's just another piece that we can, yeah. you can put up on the site. We're going to, all, you know, all we're going to do is it's going to be a one-take wonder. There's no ads. There's no music. There's no drops. It's us talking for an hour or so, and it, it, how it began was supposed to be two times a week, maybe 15-minute uh, shows to a half-hour shows. It just became basically one hour-and-a-half show almost now, one 60- to 80-minute show that we do every week, and it was just another piece of programming he could have up there and that he didn't have to worry about. We do the show. It gets uploaded. There it is. I have to, I have to agree. Um, I do love your show. Uh, it's, it's something really, really different. Um, and I mean that in the best possible way, um, except for uh, Ad- Adam needs to uh, stop whining so much, and you know. But it is the it is the Mike Sempervivi show. So, well, you know, we talk about we got Japanese wrestling was our muse, and it, we've kind of used that to. Adam goes to a lot of IWA Mid South shows and ROA shows in the Midwest, and. You know, we have knowledge of a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, it kind of falls under. We've been pigeonholed as a Japanese wrestling show, which is actually fine because there's really nobody else doing it. There's nobody who follows it or watches more than we do outside of Dave Ditch, and there's a handful of other guys who do, but they don't do shows. So, you know, we're kind of the ones by default. So 
Yeah, we, we follow it, and we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, too, a whole bunch of random stuff. Team sports, which Brian has got a huge aversion to, so, you know, we occasionally we'll talk hockey and, and NASCAR and football and other random stupid shit. Hey, it's our show. Why so, not? Hey, Mike, um, what are the chances of uh, me getting Dave Ditch booked for the show? <laughs> Come on, I would I love to <laughs> talk to Dave. I'll tell you that. E- email him and find out. I mean, D- Ditch is, he was a great guest on the old PPAs. It's just, he's very slow. He's very deliberate. But there's no one that's probably done more to keep Japanese wrestling alive when it went into that downturn. I mean, he was able to find matches and to, to keep people interested in Japanese wrestling, at least those the, the ones that were looking. He's one of the few right. guys that actually went out of his way to, to try to say, hey, no, look at this. And that he should deserve credit for. Whether he'll do the show or not, I don't know. But he's actually a good guest to have on because the man knows everything. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Matt, do you listen to yeah. the Adam and Mike Audio Nightmare? Uh, no, I, I have to admit, I, I haven't listened to really any radio shows, um, uh, wrestling radio shows, except uh, I'll listen, I used to listen to Dave and Brian's, um, but right. I, I really haven't made a lot of time to listen to any shows recently. Okay. Yeah, it is definitely the the original or the original alternate. I have to say, yeah. I have to say. Okay. Well, gentlemen, any other uh, topics you want to discuss? Any ideas here? We could just use the next few minutes to talk bad about Brian. Go for <laughs> it. You have I'm the just, office. I'm, I'm completely joking, man. I have nothing bad to say. Ah, man. He got my hopes up. Yeah, I know. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. It's time to apologize to both of Brian and Vinny because I still am sitting here with the, the R. Kelly Trapped in the Closet Volumes 1 through 22 that uh, I was supposed to send them out for Christmas. I have a bunch of Christmas gifts here for a bunch of people that I still haven't sent out yet. So I, I should probably apologize to the boss man for that and for laughing when Terry Carroll called in. Oh, man. Hey, you know what, Mike? What was up with that Hannibal caller on Sunday night? He was. I don't know. That that guy is money. I love that guy. Well, he's on every week, but he was really fucked up Sunday. But he's never usually that high. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) I say, yeah, he was, um, I I mean, he sounded like he was higher than a motherfucker, but, (laughs) hey, he's had enough ability to call into the show, so, you know. There you go. That's it. You need guys like that. I mean, it's the, the callers to that show, you know who it's going to be. It's going to be Ed in San Antonio. It's going to be James in Kentucky or Florida, wherever he is now. And you're going to get all these random calls in. So for someone that's not on the board, at least seemingly, that is just a guy listening to this show who's calling in, it's actually kind of a nice change of pace. It's a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because uh, – from the Iata days, James in Kentucky calls in, but he's in Virginia now, and he's uh, Jim, Jim in Virginia. Oh, but that's, that is James so he in Kentucky. Changed up his whole image as a caller, has he? <laughs> Man, <laughs> unbelievable. Good news, Very guys. We've got an announcement to make. I'm no longer James. I'm Jim. Yeah, yeah. I'm Jim now. Has it changed his call-in style at all? No. Well, you know what? Same voice, not quite as markish with the questions. You know what I mean? I think he's smartened up a wee bit. 
I was as far as his inbred brain works, but I hear that guy. I think Deliverance, man. You know, and boy, possibly he was the kid playing the banjo in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'm going to have to watch that movie when I get off the air with you guys. So, <laughs> Yeah, there are some crazy wrestling fans out there, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, there's no one of the things Dave, Dave had on his site a, a week or so ago, maybe it only been a couple of days ago, about was wrestling more popular now or in the time when you were growing up? You know, back, I guess he's, he's 83 or 85 or something like that as the target. And it's probably, I mean, it's far more popular now as far as mainstream but it's, the, the fans aren't as passionate. But in a way, that's kind of a good thing. Yeah, I remember you know, some I, of the, the southern crowds. I don't know how it was in the, in the northwest at all, but, man, you got some interesting motherfuckers that used to come out to shows. Oh, yeah, you still we still do. You know, you go to certain parts around the country, and, man, there's still some inbred fuckers out there going to shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of the Tidewater region, Virginians, and places that you you wouldn't necessarily think of, you could, man, there's some interesting people. Yeah. Well, you know, out here, here in San Francisco, man, you know, the uh, Shires, we had the, you know, the Samoans. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> these guys, you wouldn't fuck with them. You know, no. I mean, <sighs> Dave's talked about them, and, you know, it's just, it was insane back then. You know, 79 and 80. You know, you you some heels were afraid to get heat on on uh, on Peter Maivia. Yeah, so the entire yeah. crowd would riot, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah hmm. And the the police officers wouldn't stop them. Hey, no, you ever I mean, think the fighting prowess of a of a drunk Samoan is apparently incredibly incredibly uh, a, a thing to see. Yeah, they wanted to. They wanted to see the, the police wanted to see the heels get their ass beat, anyways. You know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, um, Matt, do you have any footage from uh, San Francisco, the Shire Times? I do. I do. I've got you a do? ton of that shit. Yeah. A lot of a uh, lot of handhelds, a lot of um, film from from the cow house, actually. Yeah, just a ton of it. I got a lot from Good a stuff. guy named Joe. Joe Sousa, who lives up there in, uh, I believe, Arcadia, California. Yep, Humboldt County, outside of uh, Eureka. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, let's not mention Humboldt County. Humboldt County. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've got a ton of the footage uh, just throughout the years, and there's some good stuff there. You know, a lot of it's hard to, you know, the quality's not great, of course, but... Uh, there's a lot, you know. That was a great, great place for wrestling back then. Yes, I was, I was there '79 till it closed. So when did it close? '80, '80, I think it was. It yeah, did battle closed. Yeah, I that was even that was. A, they even they even had a battle roll in '81. I know that. That's right. It won by Patterson. Yeah, that's you right. Yeah, was, I know Brody actually worked. A, I know Brody actually worked a. Uh, a, uh, a battle royal out there in '80, I believe it was. So there was a really nice uh, website dedicated to San Francisco too, and I'm not sure. I, unfortunately, I can't remember who it was, but uh, I forget who it was. But Sam, they did a fine job with it. I think his name was Victor Barry or something like that. Victor yeah, Barry. Like Barry. or something. Yeah, I think it was yeah. actually. But 
I thought we thought that was a good site, and those sites like that, and Midland Gateway, and what Rich Tate does at Georgia Wrestling History. I mean, thank God that's one great thing about the internet. It may have ruined wrestling in a lot of ways, but it brought a whole lot of fans back that never thought they'd get back into wrestling again. Yeah, for just by the old stuff. For historian, it's been great because we've had a lot of myths. Um, you know, we've had a lot of answers that you know questions that have been answered that we would have probably never been able to answer without it. You know, I mean, before when we would when we would trade information, it was all by snail mail. You know, I mean, it, it was it was a different world, that's for sure. It was only all as right. good as somebody's memory. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Well, we're gonna switch gears real quick. Um, this is a standard question that I that I you know ask my friends or guests or whatnot, and we're gonna start with you, Matt. Um, what match made you fall in love with pro wrestling? Okay. Um, man. I, I don't because know if it, was a, if it was a particular match, but I do remember a match or it was an angle that involved um, Buddy Rose and Ed Laskowski against mm-hmm. the Sheep Herders. And it was, it was on a live Saturday night uh, Portland wrestling show. And it just turned into a, like a bloodbath. And I remember I was really young. I was probably four years old or so when it happened. And it just erupted into like a huge bloodbath. And all is that is that on the on the Hoops Johnson uh, Portland set? I, I don't know if that. You know, I I can't remember exactly if it was that match. I can't exactly. Either. But there was, you know, they they did have some of their their. Um, their their matches on those DVD sets, which were great. You know, how about you, Mike? I'm, I'm trying to think. It's the the two things that stand out are they're actually both angles. One of them was I, for some reason it always sticks in my mind. Watching when I was little was uh, it was the Iron Sheik was leaving the ring and Sergeant Slaughter when they were at WWF, and it was Sheik who kicked. It was Terry Daniels was the private, kicked him in the nuts, but the the whole thing was he didn't let Old Glory touch the ground. And for some reason, I always kind of remember that. I got pretty sure that must have been 1984, but that was always one of those things where it was the angles like that that kept me involved more than the matches. It was just the weird things like that. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think of a match that really stood out, and I really thought that was probably the, kind of think of the biggest thing at that time that I saw that really stood out. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's just I saw so much. It was just watching wrestling every week and watching the different wrestling. Oh, one of them was, uh, and I'm not sure what year this was. I think maybe in '85 was. It was the Sheep Herders and Jack Victory against Terry Taylor and the Fantastics in Mid South in the barbed wire cage. Yeah, and they just again, they love Mid South, but that was just incredible. Just to see that on a Saturday afternoon after I just watched AWA, I just watched Mid Atlantic, I just watched WWF. And there wasn't anything close to that. There no, wasn't anything even was remotely close. And it just, that was the only thing. It just the brutality stood out in that. And it's, this is a Saturday afternoon at like 3 o'clock. And it's, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, my, the match that, see, I was a casual fan. Um, my dad would take me to, you know, the San Francisco shows, 79 through 81. And then uh, after Shires closed down, uh, Vern started running monthly. And the the one match that that made me fall in love was uh, the uh, it was uh, at the Cow Palace. It was uh, Bruiser Brody, 
in a lights-out match with Jerry Blackwell. It was after Blackwell's face turn, and they bled all over the building. They used the ring bell. If it wasn't nailed down, they used it. And that match was just insane, and that, that hooked me. That hooked me. And that was it. And and to this day, I'm still a huge Brody Mark. You know, I could oh, watch yeah. Brody all fucking day. Yeah, Brody's one of my one of my all time favorites. That's why I, I actually wrote a really extensive record book on Brody, and I actually helped out Larry Massick with his Brody book quite extensively, actually. So it, it's and really and cool. we do thank you for that, Matthew. We do thank yeah, you. Really. For that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but that that. It was a really good book, I thought. Um, I haven't got a chance to read Emerson Murray's Brody book, but I heard that was really good, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, those guys that always, you know, I always knew wrestling. I knew what it was from way back, and you know, my mother being over my head, how fake it is and what it is. But guys like Brody and Hanson, especially Hanson in the AWA when he was beating up Martell, and the Road Warriors, it's those guys that would come out, and it's like, I was so young, it was hard to suspend disbelief. It's like, okay, you know, something's happened, but I couldn't imagine somebody going out there like the jobbers did for the Road Warriors. Like, how does this happen? And those guys always intrigued me, those big brawling guys where it looked like they were killing you. Stan Han- or Steve Williams and Ted DiBiase choking out Chavo Guerrero with a, a thing of bullets is another one I'll always remember, too. I, I think that I'm not sure when that was. But they were choking yeah. him with bullets, and it was just like, those big guys like that who were off the reservation just always were, it just always amazed me, and it just caused me to suspend disbelief when those guys got in the ring. Yeah. It was talking about Hogan being larger than life. If you ever saw Hanson, <laughs> Hanson was just off the chain. He was great. Oh, yeah, definitely. All righty. Well, guys, we are uh, we're running down. Uh, we got about five minutes to go. So, uh, Mr. Farmer, I'm going to give you the office. Uh, I need you to plug whatever you got to plug. All right, great. Well, let's see here. The only thing I've really got to plug is I've got a show, um, promoting a show March 9th, which is a Sunday this coming uh, March 9th, um, Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m., up in Tulalip, Washington, bell time. Oh, I already said that, 5 p.m. Um, we're going to have... Seven exciting matches. The Suicide Kings are going to be wrestling once again. Brian Alvarez and um, Buddy Wayne's newest student, Shiloh Mount, uh, in a tag match. And we've also got a little mini tournament for our uh, championship, Tulalip Championship. Um, so, should be an interesting, should be a pretty good card. So, um, also, uh, you when uh, RubberGuardRadio.com launches. Uh, Matt Farmer will be a blog writer, a contributor, so you'll be able to get some yeah. stories and other neat stuff. Uh, what's your MySpace again, Matt? It is uh, myspace.com backslash suicidekings99.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on the show, brother. It was uh, No problem. Thank you guys for de- having me. Definitely something different this time. Yeah, definitely. But uh, thanks for coming on, and I'll be in contact with you, brother. Great. Take so, care, uh, you guys. Have a good night. Have a nice evening, brother. Okay, man. Bye. All, All right. right. <clears throat> All right, Michael. Yes, we sir. have...
We have a couple minutes remaining, so I'm going to give you the office to plug what you need to plug. I like to plug Latino women. That's what I'd like I to plug. I have to agree. I have to I agree with you. Look, either Shakira or Sofia Vergara would be good or, or someone like that. But since I can't do that right now, I'll plug the website, f4wonline.com or figure4online.com or vinnyisagoober.com. Uh, Actually, we'll still look as well. How about nobuys.com? Nobuys.com. You, you, can, you should always go to nobuys.com every once in a while just because it, it will remind you of what's good and wholesome and great in life. But, uh, yeah, you can go to any of those. You used to be able to go to keyfabulous.com. Got to open that one back up again. But, yeah, f4wonline.com, there's a million one things on there. There's my show that I do with, with Adam Summers, The Big Audio Nightmare. There's Mike Kaufman's five-star five radio. There's Dr. Keith Lipinski's show. There's the, obviously the uh, Figure Four Dailies and Brian and Benicio's and Carl Stern and the ever-expanding empire and all the things that uh, go along with that, old shows, newsletters, uh, uh, newsletters from the past. There's the board, which uh, is leave it up to you whether you'd want to go in there or not. But uh, there's a million and one things on the website, and I believe it's only $8.95 a month. can't remember what it is anymore, but whatever it oh, is. Oh, $7.99. $7.99. It's, it's worth it if it was $10.99. And I wish it was $10.99 because then we'd get more money. <laughs> all right, Michael. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it was definitely a different show. You know, this is the complete opposite of what we usually do. Uh, usually we have, uh, you know, either workers or, or owners of companies or something, and, and we interview them. But this, this time, you know, it was just uh, three of us sitting around shooting the shit, and it was uh, my pleasure having you on the show. And uh, make sure when you get off the phone to uh, kiss the little guy for me. I, I, you know, you can go a lot of different ways with that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I, I had to make that drop, so, but, uh, yeah, it's funny, you can't get like, kissing the little guy for, for, for other men. <laughs> there you go. Well, what, uh, once again, congratulations on the, on the healthy baby. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, we're going to get you on in a couple weeks because I would like to have a verbal debate between yourself, and Joe Gagne. Oh, come on now. At least give me some competition. Well, what am I going to do? Uh, but, Mike, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to cut you off so I can run down my, uh, my plugs and sponsors and all that good stuff. But thanks for your time, brother. I really appreciate you coming on. No problem, man. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take it easy, brother. Bye. All righty, guys. That was the first ever meeting of the minds here on uh, Rubber Guard Radio. Um, once again, Alex Saint had to, uh, he went to the SmackDown tapings this evening out in the uh, Southern California area. Um, we are running down our last minute. So uh, myspace.com backslash Rubber Guard Radio. Um, you can get info on our show there. And uh also, RubberGuardRadio.com will be launching within the next couple weeks. Um, it'll be archiving our shows, and we'll have uh, quite a few blog writers and whatnot. Um, also, we are selling sponsorship space, uh, ad space for RubberGuardRadio.com. Uh, I'm not going to let the prices out on the air, but if you're interested, you can contact me, MySpace.com backslash RubberGuardRadio, or KidZombie2000 at AOL.com and I think we're going to wrap it up and I will see you kids on Thursday. <laughs>
Love Talk Radio.